The e-resource of this episode is Rosetta Stone. With Rosetta Stone, you can learn to listen, read, write, and speak a new language. The Rosetta Stone Library Solution teaches by context clues and interactive feedback through your computer, tablet, or mobile device. You'll find Rosetta Stone in the e-learning section of our e-library, jocolibrary.org slash e-library. You know, writing in and of itself is hard. <laughs> and I, I think that if it wasn't, it wouldn't be as rewarding when it gets done. Joko Library Uncovered. Jacqueline Woodson. What? Jacqueline Woodson. The author? Yes. The the winner of the 2020 MacArthur Genius Award. That's the one. The Hans Christian Andersen Award and Coretta Scott King Award winner. Yep. The Newbery Medal and Caldecott Medal winner. That's correct. The author who won the Astrid Lindgren Memorial Award and the Margaret A. Edwards Award for Lifetime Achievement. That's her. Jacqueline Woodson. Jacqueline Woodson. What about her? She's on this episode of the podcast. No. Yes. Wait, this episode? This episode of this podcast. Yes. Jacqueline Woodson is being interviewed on the Joko Library Uncovered podcast. Then we should probably get right to it. That's probably better than all of this yammering we're doing. (laughs) Agreed. So up next, our Reader's Advisory Librarian, Greg Windsor, interviews Jacqueline Woodson. By the way, we left out that she also won the National Book Award. What's what's wrong with us? All right. Um, I would like to uh, to uh, welcome everyone to this very special edition of the Joko Library Uncovered podcast. Uh, you will see her at the summer reading kickoff on June first, um, and uh, this is a Newbery Medal, Hans Christian Andersen Award winner, uh, Coretta Scott King Award, National Book Award winner, and a, a list of uh, accolades a mile long. I'm very pleased and honored to welcome uh, Miss Jacqueline Woodson uh, to the podcast. Hello there. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Thank you so much for joining us. And um, the theme for our summer reading is All Together Now. And um, topics like unity, inclusion, and representation are major themes in your work. And I'm thinking here of uh, one of the books you wrote along with uh, Leo Espinoza, The World Belongs to Us, um, to kind of describing a summer in in a Brooklyn neighborhood where all the kids from all the different buildings and cultures and, and get together and enjoy that summer. Whenever you as a writer begin your process, do you kind of begin with those themes in mind or do you start with kind of characters and plot? Can you just talk about a little bit about that process? You know, that's such a great question. I think um, I have to say with The World Belong to Us, the process was a little different because what I was thinking about was play. I was thinking about, and especially coming out of the pandemic where we were so isolated and not, and, and everything we did was kind of in this parallel universe. So there wasn't this kind of engagement. Um, and, and it took me back to my childhood. I also was thinking about the way my own kids play in 
in terms of them us having to arrange play dates and and people walking the streets and not seeing kids playing and not stepping into the street but making kids stop playing on the sidewalk and and it was a different time where there was a deep respect for kids and I just wanted to write about that about the joy of just un un um, you know when parents aren't watching all the time, but just that kind of unsupervised play. Um, and, and that's different in that many of my books are character driven and they start with me having the idea of a character in my head. But this was the first time I thought, I want to write about play. Like I want to have an ensemble cast and really dig deep into some of the stuff we did. Absolutely. Children are, especially together, they're often their own kind of worlds that, that they create um, with each other, and that's so important. Um, another theme uh, of you is that you are a very dynamic writer. You write for children and teens and adults. You write fiction and nonfiction. Um, is it difficult as a writer to kind of make the leap between those different audiences and genres? Um, is that is that difficult? It's, you know, writing in and of itself is hard. <laughs> And I, I think that if it wasn't, it wouldn't be as rewarding when it gets done. And, and I think uh, I talk about this in Brown Girl Dreaming. I talk about when there are many worlds, you can choose which one you walk into every day. And coming from a childhood where I, w- I had lived in many worlds, I had lived in the South and the North. I had lived, you know, as someone who had whose family had economic means to a family that really didn't have that. Um, you know, I had lived as a Christian, as a Muslim. And so all of these experiences kind of paved the way for me to tell all of these stories. And so in that way, moving from genre to genre isn't as complicated because I feel like I do live in all of those worlds all the time. I, Madeline Lingle said, when we write, we should write remembering the child we were because the essence of childhood doesn't change. And so I do remember myself as a child. I remember myself as a teenager. I know myself now as an adult. Uh, so, so going from place to place, there are times when nonfiction feels like where I should be speaking and there are times when it's fiction there are times when it's poetry so but yeah all of those worlds exist in my brain that moving between worlds from you know fiction or, or non-fiction from your childhood in new york city to your childhood in uh in uh, south carolina those keeping a foot in those different worlds really molded you as a writer uh in i have uh, brown gold uh, dreaming you, you wrote that in verse so it's not even just a straight ahead autobiography you're kind of writing in those different voices whenever you are you Whenever you're writing for a different audience, for uh, a children or a teen audience, do you write as an adult speaking to them or from their point of view, like from a teen to a teen, you know? It, it, it depends on what I'm writing. So when you look at a book like um, Another Brooklyn, which is an adult book, I'm actually writing as an adult looking back on on teen years. But um, when I'm writing to um, teenagers, I am writing from their perspective. So I'm not trying to teach them anything. I'm not trying to be the wise old adult. I'm just like, can we have a conversation? And that conversation becomes the characters. The same for middle graders. And, and and for the very young, I, I really am. I go to that world where they exist in and, and, um, and write from there. 
You also, um, one of the other uh, works that I was really struck by is The Year We Learned to Fly. And you've worked with um, illustrators kind of like uh, Rafael Lopez or Leo Espinoza. As a writer, do you like collaborate with them? Do you kind of go back and forth with them because the they bring your words to life so eloquently and so delightfully? I am lucky enough to be able to choose my illustrators. Um, some my, my editor sometimes helps me find people, um, but, but I really am looking for someone who's already through their illustrations in conversation with what I'm writing about. So um, I just loved Raphael's work. And I think it was Dream Drum Girl. That was the book that really showed me his work. And, um, and when I, when that happens, I, and when they say yes to illustrating my book, we don't talk, we don't, we're not going back and forth in the same way that they can't say to me, um, I want you to change these words on page three because I'm the writer. And, and so it's a deep level of trust that is had between us. And I know that the, um, the book that becomes the final book is one that's going to be one that you can read the words and imagine the pictures without seeing them, or you can look at the pictures without reading the words and know the story. And when you put the two together, it becomes something even greater. That dynamism between you and the illustrator really bringing something to, uh, to the table. Um, the Year We Learned to Fly deals a lot with um, imagination. These are two children who are stuck inside a, uh, an apartment on a rainy day, and their grandmother kind of inspires and encourages them to dream, right, to think of, uh, of being at a different place or a different time or in a different uh, world. Um, in, that, in that thoughtfulness, that, uh, that desire to dream, to aspire is another major part of your work, right? Mm-hmm. It definitely is. I definitely believe in the power of the mind and especially the power of the young mind. And I think young people are so resilient. They're so imaginative. They they can believe something bigger and better. And, and that's how change happens. So I, I'd love to be one in conversation with them about that. Yes. Um, now, you do a lot of outreach. You know, not only do you spend time with libraries like us, and uh, last month you were at uh, Lawrence uh, Public Library, just right up the right up the road there. Um, what does that kind of outreach, that getting out and talking to those children and those uh, those different voices out there in the world, what does that mean to you as a writer? Does that ins- do those children inspire you as a writer? They give me hope. I think young people really keep me hopeful, especially in the time we're living in now where everything, thanks to the way we can get information so quickly, whether it's true information or misinformation, um, can make us feel like the times are very dire. Um, And young people still see a future. And I think being around that kind of energy where people know that, that what we know, you know, inherently we know we have survived harder times. Um, and sometimes we forget that in despair. And I think about the thing I love about being around young people is they never despair. You know, they get sad and then they're not sad. You know, they get angry and then they're not angry. I mean, there, there's a way in which they understand how to move on. And, and they also are so open to ideas and um and conversations and um, thinking about things like empathy and um, and the power of one's words and voice in the world. So, so yeah, they they definitely keep me young and alive and hopeful. 
Now, whatever you go do in some of these uh, these experiences and talk to there, what kind of questions do they have for you? What kind of what kind of questions do they like to ask a, a writer of these stories? Everything from how do you get your ideas to did this happen to you? To what what kind of dogs do you have? To are you scared to live in New York City? Did you ever experience racism? I mean, um, how do I write a book? Everything that it, it spans and spans and spans. That's uh, that's great, and uh, hopefully we can't. Hopefully we'll have lots of interesting questions for you when you uh, come and visit us uh, on June first. Now, your next book that you have is going to be called "Remember Us." It comes out in October, so we have a little while to wait. Can you tell us a little bit about that? What's uh, what do we expect here with that one? That is um, the story of Sage and Freddie, two kids growing up in Brooklyn in the 1970s, early 80s. And um, during that period, it's based on a period in time when the Bronx and Brooklyn were burning. Houses were just catching on fire all the time. And, and Sage is looking back on this period, trying to understand what it meant to live during that time and, um, and, to, have a, and to finally have met a friend, her best friend Freddie, who understands her. And, and Sage's dad had been a firefighter. So it's a lot about, um, it's a lot about, you know, burning questions <laughs> and, of, of adolescence and, and friendship and, um, and memory. Powerful themes for that middle grade um, audience. Um, as far as, um, as a reader, either what are you reading right now what's been kind of recently been inspiring you or what kind of hooked you as a reader when you were uh, kind of getting started there I, um, I, what hooked me were books where the kids look like me, finally finding those books, that thanks to my librarians and teachers. Um, and any book that made, I remember falling in love with The Little Match Girl because it made me so sad and it made me want to change the world that a poor child lived in and had to be in the freezing cold selling matches. And there was just some, like, like that was such a window for me in terms of thinking about, wow, this world exists somewhere out there and no one's taking care of this child and myself as a child um, just that becoming such a theme of of um right and wrong for me like for me that the idea of a child starving is is wrong and and I do feel like it should be for everyone but but it, it taught me so much about how to feel for someone I didn't even know um, and and how to think about a greater good and social justice and the work that we all need to do as a society to make sure all people are safe. Um, I just started a book um, by Jessamyn Ward is her newest book that's coming out. And I really, I was talking to Jason Reynolds about this and he agrees with me. I think Jessamyn Ward is one of the finest writers that ever, ever, ever lived. (laughs) Um, um, yeah, and so I just, I'm on page five, and I think I might not write today. I might just sit and read it. It's a galley. It's not coming out until, sep- I think, September. Um, so so I read adult books. I read children's books. Um, and just um, and, and I really do love books that make me think, that not are hard to read, but that really make me think and make me feel some kind of emotional way. 
So yeah, her uh, Sing Unburied Sing is one of our uh, favorite book club selections, and it's uh, extremely powerful and uh, definitely makes you think. And I love that you as an adult reader are inspired by those same things that as a child brought you that those other worlds, that empathy, that connection um, to a, a greater world and that desire to change it that uh, exists when you're a girl reading that Hans Christian Andersen book. And now as an adult with that, uh, mm-hmm. with that influence, with that ability that you have to make um, connections is an extremely powerful thing as a writer. And uh, one, again, we can't wait to talk to you further about when you come over uh, and see us in January, June 1st, which is right around the corner. So um, I want to just take a moment and thank you again for coming and uh, spending some time with us. Uh, we can't wait to spend some more time with you and uh, can't wait to see uh, and to read that, uh, that new book that you have coming out. Oh, thanks so much. I'll make sure to bring you a Gallic when I come. So I got you. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. There's more Joko Library Uncovered to come. Wow. <laughs> Jacqueline Woodson was on our podcast. That's true. I'm pretty, I'm, uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. It almost seems like it's embarrassment for us to start talking about what we like in, in books and all of that. But you know what? We're going to, we're going to close this episode by tying back to the whole reason Jacqueline Woodson is coming to the library and is supporting our summer reading program at Johnson County Library. And you can read more about summer reading at jokolibrary.org slash summer reading. And that's June 1st through the 29th of July. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's 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 funny because it, it, it really does make me think about, you know, my experience. And when I was a kid and growing up and the love of books that I had... And then when I had my own child and reading to her, and I know that you've had, you know, the same experience, yeah. but, but obviously with different identical, books. And, <laughs> identical experience, same books. No, no. I, I, I thought we'd use this time to kind of share some of our experience. So yeah. let's, let's jump into that. So let's start off with the books that got us excited when we were children. What did we read for summer reading? I'll go first, and I, I don't know if you knew this about me, but I won my elementary school's Reading is Fundamental Poster Contest. Okay. <laughs> do you know what that meant? No. What oh, is they that? gave me a credit so that at the school's book fair, do they still do book fairs? They do. Okay. Yeah. So they gave me credits, and so I could get, I want to say as many books as I want, but that, that's <laughs> not true. But I do remember getting a lot of books. And I think the ones I got at that book fair were almost entirely Sid Hoff books. Okay. Did you ever read Sid Hoff? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're talking like uh, The Horse in Harry's Room, Julius, and Danny and the Dinosaur. And I guess I liked them because for some reason I got connected to this little kid <laughs> who felt so small in this giant world. But there's always these giant things like a, a, a giant gorilla or a dinosaur yeah. or, you know, just a, a horse that's hanging out in your room. Anyway, what, what were some of the books that you really enjoyed when you were a kid? So I remember growing up, my mom would read to us before bed every night the kind of books that she wanted to read out loud to us as kids. They were not the typical kids' books. Like, she read 
the Hobbit and then the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy out loud to us. So oh I, from an early age, she had a love of sci-fi and fantasy books wow. that she passed along to us. So I, when I was reading on my own, I really enjoyed Brian Jake's Redwall series. Uh, I think my favorite one was Salamandistron, which was the one that has like all the badger lords and like the the medieval knights and armor kind of thing, but with badgers as the main characters. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And I'm shaking my head. I've never heard of this, but it sounds... Yep. <laughs> yep. So the, the whole series, it, cool. it starts with like Redwall Abbey and the, the first book is Redwall, where all these little mice and badgers and hedgehogs, they live in peace in this little abbey and all of a sudden they're under attack from an evil rat um, named Clooney the Scourge. And so then it spins off into all these other like world building books that are all set in the same like animals in this medieval fantasy world. Huh. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed that we, we have those here in the collection. Yep. Oh, yep, we still got them. And you know what? Um, a tip to everyone out there listening, it's okay as an adult to go read some kids that's books true. or YA, yeah. you know, young adult. Uh, some of the best stories, you know, who cares yeah. what age they're written for. Yeah. I also enjoyed the Hank the Cowdog series. It's a mystery book series by John R. Erickson from the perspective of Hank. Wait, He's wait. Hank the Cowdog? Hank the Cowdog. Okay. Yep. He is a he is the head of ranch security <laughs> and they're all mystery books where he's trying to solve things that from your perspective as the reader are pretty obvious things like, oh yeah, a raccoon got in and stole the corn, but he's kind of a lazy farm dog that gets up at night and patrols the farm and tries to figure out like the mystery that's going on. It's, it's oh pretty gosh. good. And I, as actually a middle schooler, I read all of those to my younger brother. So that was getting to share my love of Hank and Drover and the whole gang there. That, <laughs> oh my gosh. a fun one. Yeah, that, that is great. But now we're adults and we, uh, you have children and I had a child. Mm -hmm. My child is fully grown. <laughs> She's getting ready to go off to law school. It's oh, crazy how time flies. But I still think about, you know, like it was yesterday when she was just a little, little squirt and we would read books like Pat the Bunny, which is mm -hmm. a really great tactile book. And then everybody knows Goodnight Moon. And mm -hmm. then when she's a little older, I really enjoyed books like The Stinky <laughs> Cheese Man and okay. Fairly Stupid Tales because I don't know if you know this about me, but I can be a little animated. Okay. Yeah, and, I would imagine. Um, and I would encourage anyone that's reading to your kid, just have fun. There's no level of foolishness that is uh, not to be appreciated by your children. Yep. Um, they will definitely love you for the effort that you put into the characterization and the storytelling. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Those. So the ones that my kids have connected with most, uh, probably the Stanley books by William B., which it's all just like different professions that this hamster named Stanley has around town. So it's Stanley's the Stanley the Builder, Stanley the Farmer. And <laughs> yeah. You get to see all the different professions yeah. and the equipment that goes with it is the big one. Nice. You get to like see, oh, that's a tractor and he's got a red tractor. That's pretty cool. So they like those. The Maurice Sendak Little Bear series is also one oh, yeah. my son especially has enjoyed. Mm -hmm. But I guess... Both my son and my daughter have, have gotten to experience those books. And to tie this all back to the Jacqueline Woodson interview, I feel like 
now more than ever, there's an opportunity to read all kinds of books out there for, for, for children that are more inclusive, uh, more representative, and, and speak to themes of unity. And after all, that's what the theme of summer reading is this year. That's right. The theme all together now. in these recommendations from our collection. And honestly, for this episode, we're keeping it all about our featured author, Jacqueline Woodson. In our show notes, aka the show's description, you can find a link that uh, will lead you to all of her wonderful books. Joko Library Uncovered is a production of Johnson County Library and is recorded at the Central Resource Library in Overland Park, Kansas. We would love to read your thoughtful emails at uncovered at jocolibrary.org. Join our online conversation at facebook.com slash jocolibrary. Look for us on Twitter at jocolibrary. Our website is jocolibrary.org. Subscribe to Joko Library Uncovered through your favorite podcatcher or go to jocolibrary.podbean.com. Thanks for listening and come back in two weeks for more Joko Library Uncovered. <laughs>